Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, he was the pool boy who found himself in the middle of a controversy involving one of the nation's most influential evangelical couples. Now, Giancarlo Granda tells his side of the sex scandal with Becky and Jerry Falwell Jr. We'll review the Hulu documentary, God Forbid. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my favorite vocal coach, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Mm, hello, Rebecca. <laughs> also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and the best-selling author of The Final Curtain, Lara Bricker. Hello, Lara. Hello, Rebecca. Is it The Final Curtain? Or The Final Curtain, or The Final Curtain. The Final Curtain. The final curtain. I also feel like I need like an umbrella in my drink tonight based on the topic of this review, you know? Oh, we've done it before. Yeah. The pool boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I kind of think that the emphasis on the syllable thing, people won't get it unless they listen to the outtake of the episode, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Mm. So stay tuned to the end, by the way, for the emphasis on the syllable uh, thing that just happened. And finally, um, our- Yes. Do you keep saying syllable? Yes. Isn't it syllable? The emphasis on the wrong syllable. Toby. Yes. The oh, emphasis. I see. It's a joke. It's a yes. <laughs> Got it's it. A it's a joke. It's a grammar joke. Yes. Got it. It's All right. a joke. It's and a, fi- <laughs> and it is. Fi- it's a joke. <laughs> and oh finally. Our captain of all things cynical, the author of the City Trilogy of Novels, the host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, the multi-goal scoring Patreon deep dive book club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. All right. So, Kevin, this is obviously Monday's program. It is. What is coming up on Thursday's program? On Thursday, we're going to be talking about season two of the podcast Suspect. All right. Well, that podcast has big shoes to fill. It does. As you know, because season one of Suspect is my favorite. That was your uh, number one for the year, right? It's actually one of my favorite podcasts of all time. So those are some big ass shoes. Oh, sorry, season two. Looks like (laughs) the bar is pretty high for Rebecca. Set some damn expectations there right now. All right. Good to know. Okay. So we have a lot to talk about. I think we should just get to it. What do you think, Kevin? Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to drop that first clip right now. Leading off. Look, if I would have known that accepting this woman's invitation to go back to her hotel room would have led to a scandal involving the president of the largest Christian university in the world 
and the president of the United States, I would have walked away and just enjoyed my private life. Giancarlo Granda was the pool boy at a Miami hotel when he was propositioned by Becky Falwell and her husband, the president of Evangelical Liberty University, Jerry Falwell Jr. The couple lavished attention on money on Granda to keep the love triangle going and to keep it a secret. How do you keep Giancarlo on a leash going to business with him? And Jerry was looking at keeping his wife happy at that point. Where she was happiest was when Giancarlo Granda was balls deep inside of her. But like his father before him, Falwell fancied himself a political kingmaker, influencing millions of evangelical voters. But if word of their arrangement with Granda came out, it would damage the Falwell's 2016 endorsement of candidate Donald Trump. Either they didn't think that they would get caught or that it would come back to them. Or on some level, Jerry Falwell just didn't care because there was some part of him that thought, if I can't live my life in this very fun way, then I don't even want this life. In the Hulu documentary, God Forbid, the sex scandal that brought down a dynasty Granda tells his side of the story. It also makes the case that keeping the couple's kink under wraps removed a serious impediment to a presidential campaign. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from God Forbid. So if you want to remain totally spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Lara Bricker, did you feel like you were being a little bit voyeuristic when you were watching this documentary? Yeah, I have to say in the beginning, I felt like kind of bad that I was taking such guilty pleasure in hearing this like blow by blow. Oh, God, bad choice of words. Of how <laughs> Giancarlo, Giancarlo was seduced by Mrs. Falwell and right down to like, and then she put her hand on my thigh and we had a shot of whatever. And then we went back and I was like, wow, they are leaving nothing out She stroked my inner thigh. She did a very good job at seducing me. And the Jack Daniels definitely helped. And she said, all right, let's just go up to the room. I'm like, all right, shut up, let's do it. I, I felt like at first I'm like, okay, this is clearly a forum for him to tell his side of the story, totally untethered. And then I started thinking as I'm watching further, like, geez, I wonder how much he got paid for doing this. Because, I mean, this was like all access to the sexcapade that happened um, with these people. Yeah, I actually don't think he got paid for doing this. I really don't. I really don't. I don't think Billy Corbin, who's a really well-known director, I mean, he won a Murrow Award last year for one of his documentaries. I don't think he would pay his subjects. I really think, no, I I don't. I frankly don't. Um, I mean, I... That's just so you guess. think he just wanted to come clean and he knew this was going to be a format for him to tell his side of the story in a sympathetic way. I think it's a rehabilitation effort, but I also think this is probably somebody who's like, a lot of people have been talking about me. Here's my chance to talk about them. I mean, Toby, a lot of these things are like rehabilitation campaigns, right? When people come out and they're like, here's my chance, going to go out, I'm going to tell my thing. This was that for this young guy. And he was a very young guy who ended up like in this very surreal situation, right? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's quite a power imbalance in how you get the story out at this point. And they kind of point to that at the very end when there's sort of a difference between how carefully his story is vetted versus 
the Falwells just like sending out a press release and having it printed basically straight. I think there's a bunch of things he's doing. I think there's twice they have the thing about Donald Trump is talking at Liberty University and he says, you know, don't let somebody take advantage of you, you know, get even, which is a funny thing to be saying at an evangelical church. <laughs> but don't turn I mean, the other cheek. Maybe we'll get into this later. I'm not 100% sure like he's a completely reliable narrator to all this stuff. I mean, I think he definitely has he has his position on things that he's trying to get across and he's trying to counter the narrative that's out there, but I'm not sure I completely buy his narrative about how kind of naive he was in this situation. Cause it's just kind of hard for me to believe that he thinks that the Falwells liked him so much that they were just going to give him like millions of dollars worth of stuff. It's a chance to try and get a narrative out. And he talks about how his life has been impacted by it. He can't get a job. And when he finally did get a job, somebody apparently made a call and kind of screwed that over. So in order or to kind of they? continue on with his life. Oh yeah, exactly. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, who it's knows? his take on that. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I buy it because I think that young people are really stupid. I really do. I think that you when buy what part of that, I buy that he thought they really like, I mean, he hung out with their fucking kids. They gave him every impression that he was on the inside Oh, he was inside. He had sex in the kids' room. Yeah. I mean, they brought him in. in she more, brought him in. In more ways than one. Why wouldn't he think he was in with these people? Why wouldn't he think that at the time, Kevin? Uh, why? He, well, I think he should. What about that tells you that he's a one-night stand? I mean, that he's getting love-bombed by Becky. They're bringing him close. They're taking him on vacations with them. And you're right. He's getting treated like, like one of the family. I mean, you know, like if in your family... The son fucks the mom and dad jacks it in the corner. It's like that kind of family. <laughs> but that kind of family. <laughs> happens all the time. Happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. I think, I think, you know, it is a little troubling that I think for the kids, they kind of played him off like an adopted son. It just, you know, who's kind of there. But it's hard. To, it is kind of hard, I would think, certainly for us, probably most definitely for him to tell where the line between companionship ends and being on lockdown because he is, as he describes himself, a loose end. He is a potential PR problem for this couple. Yeah. Well, so let's just talk a little bit about the tone of the documentary because it does start out really light. It has a sort of like a cocaine cowboys kind of feel and like that sort of like cocaine island feel too, right? The way the stylistic... I, nature th- I this, thought right? so. And, yeah. you know, where you've got um, you've got the actors lip syncing to his narrative. I don't know if it's as uh, salacious as it's delicious, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's this slow boiling water, which leads to the dread at the end. I got to say in the beginning, certainly beginning third here, they really start off by making Jerry Falwell sound kind of like a little certainly sympathetic, kind of like this lovable goofball. People didn't treat him like he was the spokesperson for one of the largest Christian and conservative institutions in the world. People treated him like he was a cartoon character or their crazy uncle. They realized that that familiarity students felt with him gave him a lot of power. Instead of being this very strict college president, he's kind of a, and we got this some of this from the podcast, In God We Lust, but he seems like in the beginning, as somebody who sort of like didn't really want to go in the family business and that maybe his religious beliefs aren't as strident as his father's and gets kind of thrust into this position. And that's how you can kind of see, like, how does a guy with this kind of sex life fit into 
the mold of a super evangelical guy. How do those two things? And I think it's just because that wasn't the path he thought he was on. Things change. Things change in this documentary because it doesn't stay there. But at first, you know, you're kind of like, okay, I can see why the pool boy would want to hang out with these two people. He even said to Jerry Falwell Jr., I think your dad was a dick. And, you know, good on him for that. And I think I think he said that Jerry Falwell Jr. was like, okay, you can think that or whatever. But he didn't kick him out of his wife's bed. Yeah. So, Toby, you actually also have a note about Jerry Jr. and his, you know, sort of lack of desire as a young person to sort of be in charge of this enterprise. As Kevin said, like, how would someone with these sort of sexual desires want to be in charge of the evangelical church? I don't think with this enterprise necessarily, those two things are at odds with each other because this enterprise has a lot of hypocrisy kind of built into it. It's almost like Jerry Falwell Jr. didn't want to be in charge of this business. He wanted to be in charge of like a different kind of business, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think I I read an article somewhere. I wish I could remember where that was basically talking about how Jerry Jr. He didn't really feel like the religious calling. Like he wanted to be a businessman, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I think his younger brother maybe is the more sort of religion oriented person. I, and, and to its extent, he is right. The business he gets, though, is this evangelical university that has these crazy moral standards. I mean, they're they're rules yep. that are completely incompatible with his lifestyle or and, any to be frank, anybody's who can as a 17 year old person or 18 year old person going to a university live the way the universe the liberty way tells you to live i mean it is it's not easy for sure and it's certainly not easy when you're bringing in speakers to your university who have publicly not lived the way that this university is telling you to live right i but i, I think we see nikki haley on stage we see donald trump on stage we see people on stage at this university who have publicly broken the rules that this university is telling people they'll be kicked out of school for for breaking. But I think, you know, you have like Mike Pence, right? And he seems like the kind of guy who could have gotten to Liberty University and and done just fine with all the strictures (laughs) because he won't even like eat with a woman without his wife there. I'm sure there are people who are unhappy with that stuff who are there. I remember when all this stuff came out and there was a group of Liberty University students who were really angry at Falwell And part of it was that they had lived that and they had chosen to live that way, Mm -hmm. right? They had chosen that as being sort of the pure path. And the fact that their leader wasn't, it wasn't so much that I wish I'd been doing all that stuff. It's like, this guy is just like, he's full of it. Right. And he does not, he does not live up to the ideals that the rest of us did. Right. Isn't that the point, Laura, is that it's not the sex part because if that's your kink, you want to be a cuck, that's, that's fine. But it's the hypocrisy of it that that's why we find the schadenfreude in it that he's actually literally finding people money students money for kissing one another while he's doing this yeah and i think that's one of the reviews i was reading about this called this you know cross between a soap opera and a morality tale and i think that's a perfect description of this because you've got this morality part and i've known people in my life who have gone to colleges like this like i dated a guy in college who they had to sign a contract. They couldn't even like go in the girl's dorm. You had to like walk on opposite sides of the street. Like you couldn't drink until you were 21. Like all these things that they willingly followed because 
that was the path they were on. So I think when you have that sort of very clear outlook and philosophy in terms of how you want to live your life, and then you see this guy drinking tequila from his water bottle all the time, calling his wife so hot on stage, and they're just like, oh, it's just like Uncle Jerry or whatever they call him, you know? And then that picture, oh God, where he's like, oh, well, she was like, couldn't zip her pants. So yeah. like, I couldn't zip my pants. I'm like, yeah, okay. Zipping his pants isn't his problem. Zipping him up. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and that's my issue when you have people that have such strict beliefs yep. that you find out are actually really not even living that lifestyle behind the scenes. And it's really all for show. And I think that's the part that you gravitate to. And I did in this story because I'm like, you know, not only is his wife having an affair with the pool boy, but he's sitting in the corner and doing everything else. Um, so, you know, you're like, hmm, what's really going on in this guy's head? You know? Oh, God, another bad choice of words. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I thought one of the one of the interesting, like tiny little scenes was when I think it's Giancarlo goes and eats with the Falwells and then this woman who's, I guess, Trump's like personal spiritual advisor or something. Mm-hmm. And the, you see her like kind of speaking in tongues or whatever. And he's like, yeah. And she's just like kind of this normal woman. She was kind of flirting with me. She was kind of flirting with these other guys. She's just like totally normal. And I just realized, oh, it's just like a big show. Mm-hmm. Like that's not really who they are. They're actors, but they, yep. they like put it on when they get up there. And it's like, yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I thought that was an interesting little insight that he had. And I guess... For him, like he hadn't really seen the act as much as the reality. And most people see the the opposite. So, Kevin, how about we take a quick break and do the business section right now? Okay, we can do that. What have we got going on in our Patreon? Well, right now in our Patreon, we have the Crime Writers on After Show, special Crime Writers on After Show. What's that? Why is it special? We're going to be talking with the team from Bone Valley. We are? Yeah, and we're going to talk about how it ends and where things go from here. What's the path forward for Leo? Oh, you know, he's out of legal options right now, unless like some miraculous new evidence is appears. But, you know, basically the, the, the evidence, it's not a whodunit, right? It's Jeremy Scott and the state doesn't believe it. And, and so, you know, what else are you going to come up with? There's not going to be like some video footage in the trees that night that nobody saw. There's just nothing else. It's, they don't believe that Jeremy is credible and it's been ruled on. So he, he's out of that. Um, he is up for parole, I think, in March or in the spring. You know, I'm, I'm really curious if the state is going to try and fight this, if they're going to send up, you know, former state attorney Jerry Hill or somebody else from the office to go up there and, and argue against Leo's parole because he hasn't admitted to the crime he was convicted of. Um, so there, there's parole. That's the possibility that he could at least eventually get out. Um, but yeah, his, his options are not really good. We also have uh, Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. Ooh. Toby talked about the book Two Truths and a Lie. Uh, his guests were newspaper men, Bill Rankin and Chris Joyner. Toby, my take on this book was that it's another in the line of women authors who are so obsessed with a crime and the book becomes about them. Yeah, there's there's some of it. It's not yeah. as much as some other ones that we've done. And I'm going to totally forget the names of these books. But there was one that took place in West Virginia, which really followed the woman who wrote it sort of social life and her sort of observations about what... what Is that the, the Rainbow Girl or am I thinking the, of a The different? Third Rainbow Girl. Third That's Rainbow right. Girl, yeah, yeah. And there's another one that was about a murder in Harvard, which was similar. So there is, like, a certain amount of it is about her... And I'll Be Gone in the Dark is another Obsession. Yeah. yeah, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, I think is a better comparison because she sees this guy get executed, right? And it's a 
it's a terrible execution. It lasts for minutes and minutes, and it's very traumatizing for her. And then she gets it in her head that that he might be innocent, and then it's about her like digging into this crime to find out if that's the case. In, in some of those, I kind of feel like I'm reading two different books. And this this one it was it was pretty well integrated, but um, yeah, it, it's good. It's pretty traditional true crime. Other than that, though, you know, hmm. it's, it's it's a good of- listen. The podcast is Toby talking with Bill and Chris. Uh, it was recorded, I guess, in was it Bill's basement. Bill's basement. Yeah. The Bill Rankin's Rumpus Room. The Bill Rankin Rumpus Room. Oh, no, it wasn't Bill's basement. I'm sorry. It was Chris's basement. Bill brought the beer. Oh, oh. so it was Chris Joyner's Rumpus Room. We so messed I, that up. I wish I'd kind of. Oh, well. Don't we, correct. We, we already made before. the shirts. We're no. just yeah. going to keep going. All it's right, the Liberty right. Valance thing. If the story's better than the ledge or whatever. Correct. The ledge, yeah. yeah. We'll just print the ledge. Yep. Yeah. We're going to keep going with those shirt runs, right? Yeah. All right. Lastly, just want to let you know that on Thursday, every Thursday, we print the uh, Crime Writers On newsletter. <laughs> print it. Yeah, I was just thinking that probably wasn't the correct <laughs> just word. Just like crank that On the mimeograph machine. Oh, you remember how those things would smell? Like yeah, the, the purple paper? ones? Yeah. yeah. Those things were awesome. Man, the 70s were awesome. Uh, you can get the free Crime Writers On newsletter by going to crimewriterson.com right there to stick your email address in the, uh, the field up top. You'll get a weekly uh, newsletter that has everything like Crime Writers On behind the scenes. You get to see the cat of the week. We'll talk about things that are on Patreon. You get the tweet of the week. New Crime Writers on merch. And I got a feeling that we're going to have to have a shirt that says Bill, Bill Rankin's, Rankin's Rumpus, Rumpus Room. room. With and like a Romper Room font. Yeah. And we're going to cut Bill out of all of the funds. <laughs> that's you, we'll, that's we'll 43 cents he's not oh, going to see. We make zero money on this merch, so he's not going to see. It's just for fun. We'll send him one. Zero, oh, yeah. We'll send him one. But you also have to send him one of those Rebecca and Kevin and Laura and Toby and Bill shirts. You got to make a custom one just yeah, for him. You got to. You got to. If we're going to make a Bill Rankin's Rumpus Room, you yeah. also got to do that. Hi, I'm Bill. This is my t shirt. <laughs> I wear it <laughs> under my button up shirt (laughs) all right (laughs) jesus kevin um is that all we got in our business section that's it for the business section okay so i guess i should fade out that music right now do it i'm gonna go ahead and fade that music out then right now bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Laura, so you thought the addition of Giancarlo's sister added some credibility to his story. 
So can you talk about that? Because that was an angle where like a member of his family was kind of like backing him up here. Yeah. And maybe this was included in the podcast, but I don't remember this. And I, what really struck me watching this was that like right from the beginning, the first day that he met Becky Falwell, he told his sister Lilia about it. And she was like, this does not sound like a good idea. It's hard to <clears throat> explain what that feeling is like when someone that you love so much, someone that you want nothing but the best for is is thinking of hurting himself. Also, I mean, she corroborates a lot of the details of things that happened because he was communicating with her throughout this entire period that he was having this relationship with the Falwells. And I think that adding her in there adds another layer of, again, I just feel like he was portrayed very sympathetically and so is she. I think that combined with the text messages that we see and also, oh my God, that FaceTime video. <laughs> Do you remember we had sex in here? Do you remember we had sex in here? I'm like, oh my God, what are we, 15? Um, <laughs> and, though, and, and those are her boobies. Yes. So I, I feel like seeing some of this on the screen as opposed to hearing it in my ear in a podcast and, and hearing from these people and hearing from his sister brought it to another level of just like, it's not that I doubted his story. I, I believed it, but I was also just like, okay, this is how it played out. And here's another person who, yeah, we're not going to call her a neutral person. This is his sister. And she's obviously advocating for him. But she sounds pretty plausible when she describes how she learned about this and what she learned about it going forward. Yeah. I guess I'm not understanding why anybody wouldn't just take this guy at his word. Why, given everything we know about the grift that we know these people have already pulled financially and we know about the hypocrisy that's already happened, why isn't our instinct? I mean, my instinct was him telling his story to take him at his word. He doesn't this doesn't make him look good in any way. Why are we being cynical about why, like, maybe this isn't true? Like, we, there is. I don't think it's like not true. I think part of me, though, is just like because of all the crazy people on the other side of this, like you've got Michael Cohen, you've got Donald Trump, you've got all these other people that are just smearing this guy. So when I see him telling his story and then having his sister there basically backing up his story, I'm like, take that, you know, like. No, he's not lying. Like, look, like, here is more credible information. Like, if I'm presenting this case as they're trying to discredit him and impeach him and everything, like, here's X, Y, and Z of, like, no, actually, he's got you guys by, pardon me, the balls. Yeah. <laughs> now, Michael Cohen has come out and, like, talked about all the stuff he did for Donald Trump before. Has he talked mm -hmm. about this? Has he talked about this thing publicly? Does uh, anyone know? He, he did. I don't know if like exactly who's We should listen to his podcast, Mea culpa. Mea culpa. Maybe we can find out. We listen to Mea Culpa. <laughs> because Michael Cohen has come out and basically said all the all the stuff he did do for like, you know, all the fixing and stuff. So apparently he showed the pictures to Tom Arnold. Uh, that was a favorite part as the, well. The F. How does Tom Arnold become like the arbiter of all things moral? <laughs> How can you doubt that he is the arbiter of all things moral? I would just assume that he was. And he's like, no, it wasn't like sex. It's like a boudoir picture of Becky. And then he says, I actually have one of the photos. He has, he showed me some pictures. I feel like a bit of a scumbag <laughs> too, because even the boudoir pictures are like porn. I don't necessarily think that Giancarlo is lying about like the events that things happened. I do get the feeling that he's trying to position himself 
in those events in a way that makes himself look as good as possible. Yeah, uh, we all do that, though, Toby. We all do that. Right. But we don't all have a documentary made where we're t- telling mm-hmm. all that. Um, I, I just kind of feel like there's like a certain level of naivete you have to have to be like, oh, these guys really like me and they're going to give me one point six million dollars to like have a stake in this hostel or something. It's like, no, dude, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's not because you're charming. Like there's lots of charming people. They know thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Right. There's a certain thing that you're providing for this family that gets you to the point where they're going to do this for you. And you've got to be thinking about if you stop providing that service, that thing's going to go away. That special status is going to go away. He's like a fairly bright. He went to Georgetown for his master's. Like he's not that naive to think, oh, these guys really like me. They gave me a million dollars. Like that shit doesn't happen. I believe he was. And I really do. Imagine, Kevin, you went to Georgetown, you got your master's. Mm -hmm. You want to think you are smart enough that people are taking you seriously. You don't want to think it's just because of your dick, right? You don't want to. That's how I feel. But you don't want to think that. You don't want to think it's just because of my dick. You want to think, oh, there's also something. I like to think a little of it is my dick. Yeah, but don't you want to think I also bring more to the table? That's why these people like me. Sure, sure. That's what I, I mean, okay. So keep in mind, like, I'm thinking of this from, like, the perspective of somebody who was once young and remembering how, like, how stupid I used to be. Like, you, you also want to think... You know, there's more there, there to me. And then people aren't just trying to take advantage. I mean, that's what I imagine he had in his head at the time. That being said, doesn't seem like Becky could quit this guy. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He must have a magic dick because she could not get enough even when uh, they they try to break it off. Seriously, would you have sex with Jerry Falwell? No. No. You know, there's a good point. Like, I got to find. He's not that. I mean, personality-wise, yes. Yeah, he he just looks like a regular dude. What are you talking about? He's not that bad. He's just irritating. I'm like, well, yes, yes, yes. She's a little bit irritating too. They're both irritating, but she's so hot. Remember, he said, "My wife's so hot." (laughs) She's kind of milfy. Absolutely, Uh, absolutely. uh, But you know, you guys have talked about this. I just wanted to jump in on like whether or not Giancarlo is a reliable narrator. It really isn't up to him to fact check this. It's up to the documentarian to do that. I would have liked somebody to kind of come along, maybe other than the sister, to either corroborate or even better to say that part, that little thing is an exaggeration. That would add, add a little more credibility and credence to it. However, I think that most of us are smart, sophisticated viewers, and we understand immediately that he is telling the story, so it's going to be his version of the story. And I think that as long as we go into it with open eyes, we can evaluate for ourselves. Yeah, I found him very credible. I mean, I'm... Yeah, I didn't say I didn't find him not credible. I know, no, I know. No, I know that. But documentarians do have a responsibility to sort of vet this and just not give a free platform to everything, you know? Yeah, I guess I also sort of feel like... I also know that when everyone tells their story, they portray themselves in the best light possible. And we also saw footage of him and photos of him where he looked like a super douche with the bad hair. And like, <laughs> like we know that now he's in a better place. He was then we saw him in situations then that did not make him look great. He talked about that. So I do feel like we saw he did participate. He was an active participant in a lot of this shitty stuff. 
We heard that he had a girlfriend while he was also the cuck master for Jerry and Becky and all that stuff. It's not like he was an innocent. I don't think he was trying to portray himself that way. And I, I, I assumed as if you were like, you're trying to make yourself like the best version of yourself here. You know what I mean? Yeah, everyone does. But yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I bring my cynicism with me to all this, but I was comfortable with my level of cynicism in it all. I don't know. Uh, Toby, you like put a note here commenting on the, the quote about the Gatsby's of the South. Oh, that was great. That's yeah. a great quote. Can you talk about that? I don't remember the guy's name, but he's sort of the older journalist or investigator or whatever. And uh, he says that the Falwells are the Gatsby's of the South, wealthy and sloppy as fuck, Mm. which is a great description of the Falwells in like the second half of this documentary. Because in the first half, they're like kinky. Second half, it's drinking and bringing in Michael Cohen and paying off the Fernandez family, but not getting... Giancarlo anything and and all this stuff and it's just like oh god things are just like way way out of control for you guys and of course at the end you know he's got his pants unzipped with some pregnant woman whose pants are unzipped on some yacht and a couple weeks later he's resigning you know I mean it's just yeah they're out of control I remember that do you remember that I remember it so clearly (laughs) (laughs) what the hell is going on here so Kevin, there is this line that uh, the documentary tries to draw where there's this deal made that in order to sort of cover all this stuff up, there's this king making thing where they decide to like back Donald Trump and like prop him up. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like we wouldn't have had Donald Trump be the nominee were it not for bringing in Michael Cohen to help with the situation. Um, Do you buy that? No, I don't really see it. It certainly isn't a straight line. I know they're trying to draw a line there. I do think, yeah, that there was one hand washing and another here where Michael Cohen did come in and really helped the Falwells out. And maybe they were going to do this favor by endorsing Trump. Maybe not. But the idea that, well, if it came out earlier that the Falwells were having this thing going on with the pool boy, that evangelicals wouldn't have endorsed Donald Trump. I just don't by that. I mean, I think there are, you know, most poli sci experts would say that evangelicals were going to coalesce around whomever the nominee was. But would would he have been the nominee if he hadn't got the Falwell bump? Yeah, I think that's that's the question. A lot of uh, people have looked foolish trying to evaluate what happened in the 2016 election. But there certainly were worse things that happened in that campaign besides a guy who was going to give you an endorsement having a, his own sex scandal, you know, third hand, that wasn't going to derail that campaign. Yeah. It was on rocket fuel for completely other reasons. Hmm. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. 
Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out the Hulu documentary, God Forbid, the sex scandal that brought down a dynasty? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for God Forbid? Yeah, I'm going thumbs up. I've already told like two or three people to watch this. I was watching it last weekend and I was like, oh my goodness, this is so detailed. There's so much information. I did feel a little bit like, wow, this is a guilty pleasure to be hearing all these details in the beginning. But also I think it really covers the whole picture of not only this relationship that the Falwells have with Giancarlo, but also the bigger picture of how that fits into the culture at Liberty University and why this was such a big deal as opposed to, you know, just some people that had something kind of funky going on in their personal life. So I thought it was really interesting. And um, like I said, I've recommended it to several people already. So I would give it a thumbs up. Toby Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for God forbid the sex scandal that brought down a dynasty? Yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was entertaining. It's got a lot of stuff going on, including like sort of the schadenfreude. And then, you know, I think Giancarlo is, is sort of a, uh, an interesting and kind of likable character telling this whole story. They overplay their hand a little bit towards the end. I won't get into that because it's a spoiler thing, but it really doesn't affect 95% of the movie, uh, movie which I think is, is, is very entertaining. So thumbs up. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, I'm also a thumbs up. I, I think I know what Toby's saying. I'm going to say because I don't think it spoils anything as far as them trying to say, trying to look at the legacy of Jerry Falwell Sr. and how that affects the evangelical movement, political movement, and Jerry Jr.'s you know attempt to remain kingmaker. I think that that part might sort of be a bit of a stretch to their conclusions. However, when you look at the totality of this documentary, basically told from the point of view literally of the pool boy, that we get a really interesting inside look at it. It is a little delicious in, in its telling, but it does also try to swing over to more important points about civil rights, about evangelicals, about politics, and uh, not just about whether or not the president of this university should be cranking it in the corner while his wife does the pool boy. <laughs> yeah, I liked it too. I'm giving it a thumbs up. I agree. It's very entertaining. I don't necessarily think the stuff at the end is a super stretch. It just was very, it was condensed into a very short period of time at the end of the movie. So perhaps it felt like a stretch because it was just like done very quickly without spoiling too much. Um, yeah, I thought God forbid was fun and interesting. And I really think our protagonist here is somebody that is really fun to watch tell his side of the story. And I don't know, it's a rehabilitation tale that I can get behind. So yeah, thumbs up for me for God forbid. I really recommend it. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime, crime of, of the week. The week. 
Is it fair to say I like to call it that when it's actually called that and it's been called that for a really long time? You wrote the lines anyway, eight years ago. So yeah, was, I don't call it anything. So <laughs> There was trouble under the sea last month when a scuba diver off the coast of California lost consciousness below the surface. He was rescued by a trio of mermaids, actual mermaids. The first to heed the call were instructor El Jimenez and her students in a certified mermaid diving class. Wearing fast and efficient lower body monofins, the rescuers reached the diver and began removing his heavy equipment. One of the mermaids performed rescue breaths until he could be safely taken ashore. If you want to be part of that world, Jimenez says mermaid diving isn't just graceful. It's much more challenging and athletic than regular diving. She says safety training is one of its most important components, and that training kicked in. Panel, it's truly an ending fit for a Disney movie. What is the next fairy tale inspired rescue that will hit the news? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Well, I'm just feeling like Aladdin needs to make an appearance because <laughs> I would like to go on a magic carpet ride. Oh, all right. Toby Ball, what do you think is the next fairy tale inspired rescue that will hit the news? Before I even do that, can I just mention that of the two students, one of them's name was Great Chin Burger? Hmm. It's, Apparently that didn't hit anybody else is being weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. Toby, that's somebody else's culture. I guess that's they want to call him Chinburger. That's like Helena Bonham Carter's boyfriend's name, right? What's that? What is his boyfriend's name? <laughs> Rye Dag Hombo, which sounds like a bluegrass band. That's Big true. Chin, Big yes. Chinburger is still Big better. Big Chinburger right. um, Yeah, I don't know. I've got a frog that's in my front yard. It's just waiting for a princess to swing by. Perfect. What do you think, Kevin? What is the next fairy tale inspired rescue that will hit the news? Oh, it's just like this, but it's a it's a white supremacist diver who's rescued by the new black mermaid, and then he has to rethink his life choices. That's right. I can't oh. believe no one went with Olaf rescuing an avalanche victim. <gasps> oh, Olaf, yeah. Toby's cat. I'm just saying Toby's that cat. was that one was a layup. I was going to say, I think it's bullshit. I think he saw the mermaids and are like, help me, yeah. give me mouth to mouth. Yeah, probably. I'm proud All right, Laura Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you, make suggestions for you as to which Disney movie you should watch next for inspiration for our next crime of the week. How can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at Laura Bricker. Toby Ball, what about you? How can folks find you on social media? At Toby Ball NH. Kevin Flynn, what about you? Uh, I am at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, where you can see many photos of my dogs, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show at Crime Writers On, and please join our incredible community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Just go to our regular Facebook page, hit join the group, answer a couple questions, and we will let you in. Support the show at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. You'll get all the content we have back there. It is totally worth it. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the very handsome Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in a yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, The Closet in our New Hampshire basement. That's a sexier rendezvous place than the Miami Days Inn. On behalf of all the crime writers... What you doing with your hand on my thigh? Thanks so much for Mrs. listening. Mrs. Robinson. We will catch you... Later. Later. And on this episode... He was the pool boy who found himself in the middle of a controversy involving... No, no, don't go. He, there's not a compare and contrast. It's just he was the pool boy. 
he was the poor one. They were the couple. That's when you do that. It just sounds silly if you're emphasizing <laughs> he. She was the wife of a college okay. president who liked to play I didn't know games. it wasn't going to be that because I hadn't finished reading the sentence yet. Yeah, okay. Well, now I'm telling you. Okay. He was the pool boy who found himself in the middle of a controversy involving one of the wait, nations. Wait, wait, wait. There's not going to be another kind of boy. You don't have to. It's boy. not like there's going to be a pool boy and there's going to be a field boy. <laughs> All right. Never mind. Laura, do you have any directions you'd like to impart for my reading? I, I'm Would anyone good. else like to read this, by the way? Maybe you'd, any, any of you could do it better than I can, apparently. Do it like um, Heath Morrison. No, I can't he do that. He was the pool boy. Okay. And on this episode, he was the pool boy who found himself in the... (laughs) The fuck? The fuck? Now I'm so so self-conscious. Don't accentuate boy, because there's no girl here. That's right. They were the pool boy. They were the pool (laughs) them. (laughs) Okay. added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.